right. All right, it's our turn. Let's go. It's the Plank Show. We are on the road for a Friday. These are outside of a game day. Getting to spin Friday with our buddy Justin and his crew here at Riverwind Casino is pretty nice. It's a gorgeous day outside. It's going to be... It's going to be a precursor to what might be what? A little nasty weather this weekend with some rain, but enjoy it with a trip out here to Riverwind, where Thursdays in January through September, you can earn your share of $8,000 from 5 to 9 p.m. every single. Uh, well, you heard the days, Thursday through Sunday. And we should also add that we're here. On Fridays, the poker room's about to open up. The OTB, I think the first race this morning is at 11 a.m. Not like I haven't already looked at the card. And there's always plenty of fun at Riverwind. What's going on, Josh Helmer? How are you today, man? Man, doing good. Happy Friday. How are you? Um, uh-oh. Uh-oh. We just had an update to our guest list on the day. John Hoover had been scheduled for 10 a.m. for two days. Two days. I pre-planned, Josh. I pre-planned. He has had to back out. Uh, well, that stinks. What a, I literally had planned. What a disappointment. Apparently, yeah, I was pretty fired up to talk to John. I like John a lot. Um, well, that, that's okay, because that gives us, dude, I'm going to tell you something that I nerded out on just real quick before we get to, you know, what we did last night and kind of setting the table for the show. And I guess in some ways, this is setting the table for the show. Two nights ago, it was the draft, right? Two, two nights ago, I, I fell into my, which is probably going to happen tonight too, just warning you guys for Monday's show. But last night, last night, Josh, I was all in on this Tennessee story. How much have you followed this? Is it registering on your radar at all, or is this just another one of those that I am putting too much into a story that is boring to people? Uh, and you guys I, need to let me know this stuff on the text line, too. I've followed it here with you. I'm fascinated okay. to watch what happens, but uh, I'm not digging into it a lot, admittedly. Okay. Then, then if, if who can't come on with us at 10 a.m., um, maybe at about ten fifteen or so, I want to go all in on it because I, I think it's, and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic about it, but I think it could spell the end of the NCAA. And honestly, I'm not necessarily anti-NCAA by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I think that they're, in a lot of ways, how they pick and choose what they pursue is always interesting to me. But I just, I don't know, Josh. I, I kind of, I kind of feel like there's, there's so much at stake here for Tennessee, and it's not just one of these. Oh well, you know they, eh, they'll get a slap on the wrist, guys. Tennessee's being viewed as a repeat offender. The NCAA helped bail Tennessee out of the Jeremy Pruitt situation, right? Jeremy Pruitt was able to get fired for cause. So when that happened, 
they didn't have to pay his massive buyout. So now when the NCAA comes around and says, hey, the only thing we asked about NIL was that it not be used as an inducement. And what do we all know, Josh? It's absolutely used as inducement. But when you're, I don't know, maybe the, the term isn't dumb, but dumb enough to basically be posting the pictures of your boy on a private jet while he's being recruited coming to see you. I don't know if that's the smartest move here, but I'm just, I'm warning you right now, dude. I'm just, I'm warning everyone. I have nerded out on this to the point where I think it's one of the biggest moments, maybe even a watershed moment, as far as the future of what the NCAA role, NCAA's role is, is going to be going forward. Florida State and Florida Attorney Generals and Virginia Attorney Generals can do what they want. To me, this is a moment where Tennessee, what's our term we're using a lot? It's like standing on business. And in, in a lot of ways, they're not saying they didn't do anything. They're not, it's not like, no, oh, we're not, we're innocent of these. They're not saying that at all. <laughs> they're just basically saying everyone else is doing it. And you're choosing to enforce this because you couldn't find anything else. So I just, I know it sounds overly dramatic, but can we plan on 1015 for me laying out my reasoning to you why I think this is such a big deal? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear that. And I tend to okay. agree with you. I think it, it could be incredibly significant for the future of uh, college sports. That doesn't sound like a good counter argument to me, though. That doesn't sound like something that's going to hold up. Which one? Which one? The whole uh, everyone else is doing it. Yeah, it's in any situation. No, right. In any situation where that has been used as the excuse, it typically doesn't go well with a boss or a superior, or uh, I don't know, teacher. I don't. I don't know how else to put this, Josh. But I am. I'm very confused by it all. I really, truly am. And 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 listen, the NCAA. It's it's. In some ways, maybe their own fault, but ten fifteen this morning. And, and I also acknowledge, I, I acknowledge front and center to y'all. I sometimes this can be tedious and boring, but I, I hope I can present it in a way that shows this is maybe bigger to the jury, to the ref army jury today, to the plank platoon. I hope I can at the very least sell you on the importance of this. And, and you know what it goes back to. It goes back to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet tax line. This was a Primrose Funeral Services final thoughts on, like, Tuesday. And someone on the tax line said, hey, um, this might be a story worth keeping an eye on, the Sports Illustrated report from Pat Forty. And sure enough, it, it's become interesting. So we'll dive into that coming up at 1015 this morning. How was your – it's it's wild that this week flew by the way that it did. How was your Thursday night? Anything exciting? It was a good Thursday night. Uh, took in a, a nice duel between Moore High and UConn last night over at Moore High School, senior night there on KRefSports.tv. So, and it was a competitive wrestling good. duel. Sometimes it gets a little lopsided, uh, but uh, this one had some drama, some action. It was a good yeah. night. What about for you? Yeah. I, um, what did I do last night? We, uh, we have two sick kids. Josh oh no we have two sick kids so I um I basically avoided everyone I that sounds terrible right doesn't that sound just awful it's like the kids came on I picked up the kids from school 
I did all my dad stuff. I had a lot of responsibilities after the show because I want to be ready for this softball trip, right? I want to have all my my uh, my notes and everything ready to go. So I was working a lot on softball and some numbers and, like, some opening weekend stats, and I go to pick up my girls, and they're both just done. I'm like, y'all are going to bed. And then we had a surprise visitor last night because my stepsister came in town. You know, today we had Joe Blakenship on a while back, and today is the event, is the uh, is the coaches event that we were talking about. Well, hope-driven coaching, hope-driven coaching. A um, lot of really cool stuff that's uh, going into that event that starts at 10 a.m. this morning. I think they still have some spots. If you guys um, want to get out to the Phillips Pavilion, Sherry Cole is speaking this morning, Rick Jones speaking this morning. So my sister-in-law came in town. It's like, yeah, you came in town just in time to get the plague. But I don't. I think I'm okay because I'm pretty sure this is our fault, right? Because when my wife had it, then I got knocked out. Is it only natural for the kids to get it, or could this be uh, could this be patient zero for a whole new string of illness that's going to roll through my family? Well, I hope for your sake that it is not uh, <laughs> number zero, as it were. Hopefully, yes, this is uh, mom and dad were sick, and now the kids are sick. Uh, we got a lot to get to, man. Um, I'm very happy that I got my tweet to preview the show out. I, now, I will be honest with you. I did have to delete it and redo it about five or six times because I'm just a terrible speller. But I want to talk about Drake Stoops. Shrine Bowl last night had the two-point conversion catch, but it's more than just anything that happened in that game. The buzz around Drake was good. The buzz around Walter Rouse was really good. So uh, I've got some NFL draft intel that we'll get to coming up a little after the bottom of the hour. Uh, Baker last night, just awesome, right? You, uh, I say it, every opportunity I get to do shows beyond uh, – what we have in our kind of bubble, right? If I get a chance to go on a show in another city or if I'm doing one of the shows on Fox or nationally, what's my my overall overriding take on Baker Mayfield is a very simple one. I will never understand how anyone can't like him, Even, even if you're the opposition. I mean, even if you're Texas, there's a party that's like, okay, we did beat him once. But he's pretty pretty awesome, right? I mean, it's hard not to like Baker Mayfield. And I'm telling you what, Josh, there was a little story in the NFL yesterday about a about a new offensive coordinator in Oakland, Vegas that might have his eyes on one Baker Mayfield. Just saying. You're saying there's a chance. Saying, I, I listen, my lifelong dream is to have six or one in Vegas. Well, lifelong. Since 2016, since I've heard, I guess, 15 for Baker. I was like, if they can get Baker or Kyler, look out. You throw Cliff Kingsbury in there in Vegas? I'm all about it. I got some Garrett Hatchet intel last night. Uh, Gabe dropped a pod. We'll share a little bit about what he had to say watching the film. And then I finally heard back from Jeff Schwartz last night, uh, and I'll share what he told me about Garrett Hatchet and maybe even a position change from what he had done. We got a full weekend of hoops to preview. Plus, did I say John Hoover was coming up at 10 a.m. this morning, Josh, and he had to move on us? He had to cancel? You did. Well, when we come back, John Hoover from All Sooners is going to join us. How about that? So let's, how about that? So let's get an early break in here on a Friday with Josh on Plank. We're live from Riverwind Casino. AllSooners.com's John Hoover is next on the ref. I was... um. 
I gave my first check of the text line, and I saw that uh, it was meant for Toby's show because it came at about 8.45 from Marietta Sooner asking about the Arkansas basketball situation. Woo! That is a doozy right now. But all of it seems to be rumor and innuendo. We'll keep an eye, an eye on that. All right, let's spend some time here with our buddy from allsooners.com. John Hoover is in the house. Who, uh, thanks for still finding time to jump on with us. I know you're busy today. Uh, but real quick, we're going to talk about Garrett Hatchett a little bit more in depth today. Do you get the sense that what Oklahoma has out of the portal offensive line-wise, we're, we're done, there's not going to be anything post-spring unless there's an injury or something of that nature? Is this the 2024 Sooners, or do you think there could be more adjustments in the spring portal session? Uh, I do expect more adjustments in the spring. Yeah, after after spring practice is over, um, absolutely I expect more. Probably not a ton of activity, not a flurry like we had in December. Uh, but, but yeah, my suspicion is that they're going to go after another offensive lineman. Um, thinking, thinking, thinking probably another defensive back. Just to, uh, just to beef up the numbers where there were numbers, and then all of a sudden you get uh, some some injuries at uh, cornerback, and you start looking around saying, "Wait a minute, we don't have enough corners." So that would be something that I would not be shocked if they went out and got a couple more, maybe maybe three in the spring. Okay, I, w- I was talking about this a little bit earlier, and I know you you guys covered very in depth. You chapping your crew over it uh, all Sooners. What's kind of been John Hoover's take on the NIL situation and the collectives oh for Oklahoma? <laughs> <laughs> what What are you hearing? Kind of what's what I, I know from fans. Everyone's like, we just need to spend and pay and do whatever it takes. Oklahoma's had a more calculated approach, but is it the right approach? And, and kind of what's been the the buzz you're hearing? Um, I wish I could speak. Um intelligently about what Oklahoma is doing with their NIL and what they need to do. But Chris, what it's, what it just on the surface, just on the surface, it looks like there needs to be more done, right? I mean, all those players that left Alabama, all those players that left Washington, all those players that left Arizona, Oklahoma got one of those guys Uh, and maybe it caught them by surprise. Like it caught the rest of us by surprise, the whole Nick Saban retiring thing. And they weren't ready to allocate resources specifically to the transfer portal after it had already closed. I don't know. I don't know what the situation is, but it it seems like they came up a little short there because they, they wanted probably half a dozen or more of those guys legitimately. Like we think we got a shot to come kind of get this guy. Let's, let's put together an NIL package. And, oh, oh, never mind. He went somewhere else. Never mind. He went to, uh, you know, wherever Penn State, I don't know. Um, but just, it just seems like it went really fast and Oklahoma was not in on any of them. I, we talked about this on our podcast. Don't know why. Is that an NIL thing? Is it a collective thing? Is it too many wires being crossed, uh, trying to accomplish the same thing? Uh, you know, the, the, the way they're consolidating their NIL efforts right now. That would be your ideal, uh, step in the right direction, obviously. Uh, and then they've done that, but they need to, uh, it sounds, it sounds like Chris, and again, I wish I could speak more intelligently, more educatedly on this. It sounds like they need to do a little bit more in that direction. You know, and I agree. And it was interesting. We're a week removed, uh, John, last week we spent what Josh, like a good 30 minutes talking to the, uh, Crimson and cream collective crew, uh, here on the show. And he, he brought up an interesting number and it's kind of resonated with me. 
Uh, Oklahoma is in the, you know, they're in the top 15, the top 20 nationally, but, you know, the, like 12 of the teams in front of them are SEC teams. So yeah. it sounds good, right? I mean, it's like, okay, top 15, that's good. But, John, where we're going is a place that, I mean, let's face it, they've probably been doing NIL for a really long time. And now it's no, just right. you kind of have a – you got a little bit of a base for it. So is that something that should raise the concern level? Is there confidence in what Brent Venable's plan is right now? I mean, because it seems as if they went from, hey, NIL is not going to be a big conversation piece to – Okay, it's going to be a big conversation piece, but it's not going to be the only thing. How concerned do you think OU fans should be on that front? Yeah, that's a that's a good good question, and and it would be a guess for me a guess for me to offer any any real kind of answer there. But one thing I'll just say this: nobody nobody likes to talk about this, and understandably so. Nobody likes to talk about Lincoln Riley, and understandably so, right? One of the reasons that Lincoln Riley left. Was because he had he was being made he was being forced to a large degree to uh, he's like look look at how they're coloring uh, in the SEC they're coloring way outside the lines can we do that can we do that um, and they told him no no you cannot color outside the lines in the SEC when we go to the SEC to you know some measure anyway let's let's just kind of simplify that and say what it is. He didn't. He didn't want that. He knows. He knew that to be to compete in the SEC, you're going to have to act like a lot of those SEC schools act. Tennessee just got just got off probation. Boom! They're hit with another one. Here comes the NCAA. The, the ink is barely dry on their work release in Tennessee, right? <laughs> and they're having to go back inside. So. Um, yeah, and I know there's some circumstances extenuating whatnot, but I'm just saying that's the, that's business in the SEC. That's the the way the league operates. And if you're gonna, Chris, Oklahoma has got a great stadium. You know that eighty five thousand fans are amazing. They pack that place. It's one of the best in the in the in the country. It's one of the best in the world. It's like ninth the, the ninth largest in the SEC. What? Coaching uh, salaries. Yeah. Oklahoma spends a bunch of money on coaching salary, right? Boy, look at all the money they spend on their head coach and their assistant coach. It's like 11th in the SEC. I can't remember. Ninth in the SEC in, in uh, coaching salaries, whatever it is. That, those are just small examples of where do you think NIL falls? Um, like you said, uh, there's 12, there's 15 teams ahead of them, whatever it is, they're top 15. 12 of those teams are in the SEC. That's just business in the SEC. It's it's a new world, man, and Oklahoma's going to have to do things or at least go down paths that they didn't ever think that they would have to go down before. To hey, I, I know you got – I agree. John, on all Sooners right now, uh, you guys need to check it out. There is uh, – it's a preview of all the transfer portal guys that they brought, and they've taken each individual guy. I think Ryan's written some of them. John, you've written some of them. But I constantly get this, this text, and I just got it, and – I always say, hey, roster numbers, it's not a world like it was because you can you can supplement certain things with NIL. But should we be concerned with where the roster number is? I think it's at like 92. I mean, is, is that a big deal to you, keeping an eye on who could be there or who couldn't in tw- uh, after the spring as far as just the pure number of players? No, I don't I don't think so. They'll, they'll work yeah, that out. That'll yeah, that'll come with the process, and there'll be guys that are on the roster right now that think they're going to have a great spring, and they don't have a great spring, and they're going to say, "Hey, you know what? It's probably best for me if I hit the portal." All right, buddy. I know out. you got 
Yeah, I know you got to get – thanks for still finding time for us, Hoove, and hopefully we'll get a chance to get you on a couple of weeks and go uh, in-depth on roster talk and position battles and a little hoops and softball too, man. Have a great day. For sure. Thank you, Chris. See you, buddy. All right. John Hoover, at Johnny Hoover. Yeah, and uh, Bobby and B.A. has – you've asked many times, Bobby, and I apologize, but, you know, I – I'm trying to think of a good comparison. Things there are certain things that you see and you worry about, and in your mind. Well, and maybe some of you, I, maybe some of you might like look at the Tennessee situation, and you're like, "Plank, it's not that big of a deal. Stop it." And here I am. I'm like, "This is a big freaking deal." What's going on right now in Knoxville with Tennessee versus the NCAA? It's a big deal. I kind of feel like. There's a lot of you that feel that way with the roster numbers, right? Bobby NBA says, hey, how are we going to get to 85? I just – I don't think, Josh, that's that big of a deal. I don't I, – I think you could – I think you could take that off of your worry list and it, it's going to be fascinating to see if there's repercussions from the NCAA's attempt to try to wrangle some NIL violators – Right. I mean, I but I don't think you're going to see a lot of enticement of getting guys into the portal. I don't think you're going to see a lot of, hey, we got to we got to get X player, Y player, go through his people and see if we can't get him in the portal to come here. There's going to be people that leave because that's just college football now. But I don't I don't know about you, but Josh, that just to me, that isn't that massive that isn't that massive of a deal as far as Oklahoma fits in my opinion should be concerned about Oklahoma appears to be recruiting great in the uh, high school classes right now and done on the up and up right without enticement inducements Uh, the transfer portal again same story there so I I get that we, we get concerned at times Right, you, you want more. You always want more. There's a different recruiting battle that you didn't win that you needed to win, and you want to win them all, but you can't win them all. And right. uh, I do think Oklahoma's headed in the right direction. We need to see the on-field results match that enthusiasm that I and you and probably many many others have about the David uh-huh. Stones and Jaden Jacksons of the world in the class before it. I mean, we need to see those guys develop and be instant impact guys as well, but uh, – I do think if Oklahoma stacks classes like they did this last one and the class before that, they're doing what they need to do to go win big. Yeah, I agree. All right, interesting stuff. Boy, Vinny Paul's fired up, isn't he, off the text line? <laughs> well, John did mean, uh, did mention the uh, scarlet letter. He said Lincoln Riley. All right, I've got an update to our guest list, Josh Helmer. I've got an update. Coming up at 11 a.m., Peyton Verholst will join us. So that's coming up at 11 a.m. We'll talk to the Oklahoma Sooner, gosh, forward, guard, sometimes center, you name it. She's a, She can do it all. So Peyton Verholst is coming up at 11 a.m. this morning. Meanwhile, um, when when we come back, it, it kind of a, a little slow out of the box, out of the blocks on the text line, but we got a couple good ones I want to hit. 405-651-3439. That's the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. And uh, little intel. Little intel coming up 
on Garrett Hatcher, the newest member of the Oklahoma Sooner offensive line. That's coming up next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Back with you here. It's the Plank Show. Josh Elmer alongside Chris Plank. Our number one presented by Van Hoos Fence. That is vhfence.com. Get your fencing needs taken care of by the premier fence company in Oklahoma. Get it taken care of with Van Hoos Fence, Plank, because? Because Bob Stoops said so. That's right. vhfence.com, number to call, 405-735-1167. Quite a bit of reaction to uh, some of John Hoover's comments from all Sooners moments ago with us. The the Hoove. Uh, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We would love uh, if you fire off a thought to us there. The Sooner Andy chimes in. Disagree with Hoover on possibly adding a cornerback in spring unless we lose someone as well. For roster management purposes, we can't support adding without subtracting in the cornerback room. I don't see the depth concern at all. Gentry, Woody, Vickers, Wagner, Dolby, Jacoby, Des Malone, plus the Frosh ads. We're already over-indexed in the position in the big picture roster management-wise. Ooh, that is the pseudo Andy. That is a big word. Over-indexed? Fancy. Uh, yeah, well, okay. Can, can I just poke two holes here real quick? Okay. Because I'm not disagreeing with you sooner, Andy. What has Gentry Williams shown us that will lead us to believe that he's going to be able to stay healthy? All right, so you got to, you know, you hope Vickers and Wagner can become that guy. Kendall Dolby, we saw not play a lot of corner last year. Right? Kendall Dolby was a cheetah. In fact, I don't remember him lining up at, at corner after the start of the season. And are we sure Des Malone is coming in as a corner? I haven't heard Teddy. I'm sorry, Ted. If you've said this and I sound like a moron right now, then I'll wear it. But, I mean, maybe he could be a, a safety. So I don't disagree with the initial assessment that, hey, we look pretty deep at that position. But I, I don't – I mean, I you, you suddenly have that consistent issue with Gentry being unable to stay on the field – you know, I think we all agree you need to be a little bit bigger at Cheetah, and we hope that that can continue to develop with Desan McCullough, right? Or, or Phil Pichotti or uh, Samuel uh, Omosigo or, or any of those guys, Carter, that stepped up and played there and seemed to play well. But may, maybe it's not as deep as we think. I'll tell you what, you've got me sold on Jacoby Johnson, Josh. I can't wait to see how he develops. He looks like He looks like the kind of guy that could be a starter. He really does. If he develops just the physical frame. Correct. Yeah. You know, gives him a chance to be pretty special. Obviously, Mm. you know, the physical frame is one thing, and then going out and being technical is uh, on this level is totally different. He's got the skills to go make plays if he gets the football in his hands, right? If uh, if he picks one off, he's he's got the long strides to go take it the other way. But, you know, the the full set of components required – can he develop into that? Would be special if he did. Agreed. Agreed. All right, where do you want to go next? More text or you want to go to the phone? Let's it's hit the phone, phone, Josh. The Riverwind Let's Casino jackpot line where you're hanging out today. 405-329-9000. Sean has hit us up. Sean, good morning. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Sean. And what's up, man? Chris, like you, I am excited for six days from now. But before we oh, get to there, man. I would like to comment on what the Lorax just said. 
It reminded me of that. It reminds me of that meme where the guy quotes, "I am stupider for having listened to you." Uh, I don't understand. So he runs down his "This is the way things are" in the SEC deal. Let's click off a couple of those coaches' salary. Gee, John, do you think our coach's salary would be higher if he wasn't a second-year coach? If it was the previous coach, you wouldn't be where you were at. You would be higher on that list. Second, stadium size, 85000 And not taking into account ticket costs, structure, donations, or anything, just on raw number, I'll take a full 85000 and say A&M at 60 that's got 40,000 empty seats. Or a litany of those other schools. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Uh, players. How about, well, so are we, OU, and I, I loved your interview uh, with uh, Belser. OU yeah, is Lesser. trying to be good stewards of the donated money. They're not just taking a cannon out there and shooting cash, trying to get kids that A, may not have wanted to come here. B, you already have players in those positions and you feel those players or better than what you're accessing in the portal. Or C, you simply did not want to uh, invest that kind of monies, even though you have it, into that player because of the of the dynamic of your locker room. It was just it was a typical deal of why one covers and one works in athletics, and it was typical of boilerplate. Um, statements that are have no bearing on the reality of that once you peel the uh, one layer of the onion i mean just i don't understand that the second of all you're not wrong in your assessment of what's going on with this tennessee deal and i that's one of the things that bugs me people have no clue how college athletics is run this isn't pro sports there isn't a grand poobah making dictates like manford or silver or uh, Goodell, there is a reason there's not a blue dot on your Division One playoff or bowl games. There is a reason that these member schools allow this in- entity to run things. Because I'm going to tell you right now, these people wanting the destruction of the NCAA, there will be no College World Series in Omaha or Oklahoma City. There will be no volleyball championships. There will be no crew championships. There will be no soccer championships. That's what that entity does, puts on these 80 other championships. And if you get rid of it, it's just like everything else. Careful what you wish for, you just might get it. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Hey, hey uh, Sean, your, your thoughts on the opening day starter. Who's it going to be next Thursday? I think they go with May. I think she's earned that uh, as a senior. Uh I wouldn't be surprised if it's Maxwell, but I think they go with May and then uh, Maxwell's game too. What, what are your thoughts? I think you're right. I, th- I think Nicole May starts the season, but it wouldn't. You know what though? It wouldn't surprise me if it's Kirsten Deal because Agreed. I then, think yeah. that a, like the Duke Washington games are maybe a little bit more challenging. No offense to is it like Utah Valley that they're opening right. with. In in May, you know May pitched well against Washington, uh, and I know it's a different team from a couple years ago. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if May pitched against Washington, and then maybe Kelly Maxwell against Duke, because I don't know if, if Duke's ever seen Maxwell. 
Well, I would definitely, I, I would agree with your assessment because of who's coming up. The two bigger uh, games, as far as how your strength of schedule and all that stuff's going to play out. So that's a good point. But I think I, I, well, I will say this: I think May gets the first, if not game one, I think they're going to give her the first name opponent you face, just because of who she is. And I would have no problem. With that. Hey. And can Washington have a softball team without Big Red being there? <laughs> That's a good question. It's been she pitched been there a for I think fifteen years. There. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, man. Appreciate it. See you, brother. Happy playing. Um, to Sean's point, now, uh, it's like there's there's point counterpoint, right? Because I feel like Josh, the way Sean lays out how we view Oklahoma's plot heading into the SEC is how a lot of us do, right? But then there's others that say, oh, you guys are just sunshine pumpers. It's not the reality of it. It's not how it goes. But he, he's right in a lot of ways. You know, Brent Venables is a really good contract for a first-time head coach and a guy that's going into his third year. You're you're in a league where, oh, gosh, I mean, and now say, I, I don't know. I would assume... I don't know, Josh, that Venables deals is it probably better than Kalen DeBoer's. It's not going to be better than Kirby Smart, right? It's just not. So, you know, I, I and you know, A and M just stupidly spins, but I would bet now that Jimbo Fisher's gone, he's doing better than Mike Elko is doing. Uh, his his contract is on par with Sark's. So if if I mean. That's one area where I'm like, eh, I'm never going to worry about Oklahoma spending to get the right head coach because I think they've got that. In my mind, I will die on the hill that they've got the right guy. I mean, stadium-wise, yeah, it's it's never – I've never been to a game. Now, do people leave early? You bet. But I've never been to a game of that kickoff where I'm like, dang, where is everybody? Never. Never. And I've been doing, I've been doing sidelines since 11. Now, we can go back to the 90s and have a different conversation, but I've been told that's ancient history because that's whenever I was cool. But, I mean, some of those things that Hoove brought up, those are big triggering points for a large faction of this fan base that don't want to hear what Sean or me or you or Toby have to say in regard to it. Yeah. They just expect doom. The the name-image-likeness conversation, I, I would maybe... Fascinating, it, right? Know, I, I would entertain that, that... Oklahoma Absolutely. needs to be more aggressive in spots or they they need more overhead to begin with, right? Whether that's from the fan base or big money donors or however it happens, right? I mean, right. I would entertain that, that maybe they're not aggressive enough in some instances. But uh, we've heard Joe Castiglione talk how many times about facilities that you want that demand to be there, right? And the 85,000 number for Oklahoma has been a great one for a long time so i don't know i don't know that you need to expand the stadium i think it's perfect the way that it is right now i think you continue to as as they've done over the years plank continue to enhance those fan amenities and the experience but in terms of overall seating i I just don't see that as any sort of a concern and and the salary for brent look they go win in the sec i guarantee you he's gonna get paid agreed agreed um, let's break. 948. Good call, Sean. Good call. Um, 
every time I get a little softball talk to, though, I remember it's like, dang, man, that's next Tuesday. That's next Tuesday. <laughs> that's not like two weeks from now. That's not. It, look, what's the countdown clock to football, Josh, presented by Chick-fil-A on 12th Avenue? A great location. 211 right. days, 7 <laughs> right. hours. Let's see here. 11 minutes. Mark. I mean, it's not even It's 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 not even um, that many hours, right? 24, 48, <laughs> towards whenever the season will get underway. Or at least we'll be on the road for... For Oklahoma Sooner softball. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch how Coach, uh, I don't know when he like, manipulates the lineup sounds odd, but I'm really intrigued to see how she uh, how she uses different pieces throughout the season. All right, we, we do have to break. I'm sorry. Uh, it's Plank Show. We're on the road at Riverwind Casino. Hey, um, a lot of cool acts coming to the Showplace Theater, including Chelsea Handler. You can join Riverwind for her stand-up routine on May 3rd. And Scotty McCreary, tickets affordable and available on ri- online right now at riverwindcasino.com or at the Riverwind box office. It's the Plank Show on the wrap. So show's kind of set from 10 to 10.30. We're going uh, to share what we've learned about the latest portal edition for the Sooners in uh, Garrett Hatchet. Garrett Hatchet, excuse me. Uh, Gabe had some interesting things to say about him on the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast. We're going to play it for you coming up if you haven't heard it yet. And then I heard back from my O-line friends beyond Gabriel. So I'll share what uh, they told me about Hatchet. And then you guys have promised, you have promised, you're going to allow me a couple of minutes to lay out why I think this Tennessee story is such a big deal and why I think we should be paying attention. That's all coming up. And as we've just learned, Peyton Verholst will join us at 11 a.m. as Oklahoma gets set for Bedlam. Bedlam, Josh, in Stillwater. Oklahoma State's not a bad women's hoops team either, so that should be fun. And we're spending our Fridays, as we love to do here at Riverwind Casino, uh, the 32K Lunar New Year table game promotion that includes uh, an opportunity to win $200 in chips every 30 minutes. Uh, That's going on through February 8th. And then on Saturday, February 10th, every 30 minutes from noon until midnight, one player will play a game to receive up to $1,000 in chips. So a lot of cool promotions going on. Um, TJ's Stan on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line writes, Sean got through a call and didn't say virtue signaling. You know who likes to say virtue signaling? My wife. I hear nonstop. So, Clay Travis likes to say virtue signaling, too. That's a good question from Sooner. By the way, uh, Hoove checked in as well. What, what did Hoove <laughs> say? He, he said, did I stir the hornet's nest? I was like, ah, you know. We were off to a little bit of a sleepy start anyway. I was trying to sell you all on the importance of a story that maybe two people care about, but you all should. Uh, Sooner Dot writes, in your opinion, Will the SEC offenses be better, same, or worse than what we've seen in the Big 12 historically? I think they're going to be better. I mean, it's there's this idea that suddenly we're going into a league where it's like student body right and student body left and it's just all power running game is not 
the case anymore. Everyone's kind of doing what Oklahoma has seen in the Big 12 now, right? Look, LSU, Alabama is going to be what Washington was offensively. Uh, I, I think, you know, maybe Oklahoma will be a little different with Joe John and Seth, and, you know, we'll see what Colin Klein's able to do down at Texas A&M. But, you know, Josh, I think you're going to – and if that's just style of offense, right? But I, I think you're going to see, you know, better offenses. You're definitely going to see better defenses, though the Big 12 has improved there quite a bit. And you're going to see these offenses Be- with better talent. Better and, talent, thank and, you. And that's the biggest key to all of it is – they're running the same stuff now for the most part, and they're doing it with, for the most part, better players than what you've seen over the years in the Big 12. And before you say, well, what about Mahomes? What about Brock Purdy? Those two are infinitely better professionally than they were at college. Purdy had one year. Mahomes was great. Um, but he, I, I think it's fair to say he's in a much better He's a much better quarterback today, Josh, than he ever was at Texas Tech. Yeah, I'd say that's uh, probably good. fair. You know, there's certain guys like Robert Griffin III. Like, they would start in an SEC school, but you're seeing more talent around them, seeing better receivers. All right, quick break. When we come back, what do we know about Garen Hatchett and what have we learned? We'll dive into next.